Hello and welcome to Fitter and Faster. My name is Emma Kate Lidberry, your host and managing editor here at Triathlete Magazine. Each month on Fitter and Faster, we tackle one triathlon training topic in depth, giving you everything you need to know. This month, we're talking sports psychology, and we'll be joined by Dr. Corey Niamora, a sports psychologist and run coach who works with a wide range of athletes from a wide range of sports. He gives us his expert insights into how best to incorporate mental training and preparation into your daily routine. He shares some of the most common mistakes that he sees athletes making when it comes to sports psychology, as well as how to best prepare for a race from a mental training standpoint. He gives us some interesting tips on coping with burnout. And yes, we do do talk about meditation, mindfulness, and all of that good stuff. But I think the part of our conversation I enjoyed the most was talking about finding motivation for your training and racing that extends beyond you, that's bigger than just you. It was an interesting and informative chat, that's for sure. And of course, it would not be fitter and faster without our gear up section. So we'll have our executive editor and gear guru, Chris Foster, joining us later in the show. More from us after this short break. Shimano recently released a short film about one of their Shimano road crew ambassadors, which we encourage you to check out. It's about Casey Cross. Casey Cross doesn't fit the mold of the typical cyclist depicted in the media. They are black, queer, and non-binary. They prefer community over competition, social rides that involve tacos and beer over long days in the saddle, and using the bike as a tool for advocacy rather than racing. In Beyond the Binary, a short film from Shimano, Casey shares their journey to understanding the intersections of their own identity and how they are working to create a more inclusive and accessible cycling culture. Filmed last year in Fayetteville, Arkansas, Beyond the Binary sheds light on the rigidness of gender, being black in America, mental health, and the ways that the bicycle has helped them find community and healing. You can check out the video in our show notes online or at ride.romano.com forward slash stories forward slash beyond the binary. That's ride.shimano.com forward slash stories forward slash beyond the binary. Dr. Corey Niamora is a licensed psychologist and endurance sports coach. He is the founder and director of Endurance, a sports and psychology center, a company that provides psychological services and sports training to people of all ages and all abilities. He specializes in sports psychology and works with a range of athletes from professionals through to recreational adult athletes, as well as highly competitive high school athletes. He provides trainings and workshops for organizations and athletes on topics related to the intersection of sports, performance, mental health, and overall wellness. He also happens to be a very fun and friendly guy who enjoys a wide range of sports himself. Here's our chat with Corey. Corey, thank you so much for joining us today on Fitter and Faster. How are you doing? Yes, I'm doing well. How are you? Pretty good, thank you. Yes. Just uh, recovering from a lunchtime swim and uh, looking uh, forward to chatting to you about all things mental training. Yes, me too. I'm excited <laughs> to talk with you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and we were just before we hit record just there, we were talking about the fact that it's so often um, overlooked by athletes in their rush to, well not their rush, but their enthusiasm for physical training and getting fitter. Mm-hmm. There's so much focus on the on the physiological side of things that we often forget that what goes on between our ears is um, so important. Yes. So uh, yeah, talk to, talk to me a little bit about your experience with athletes and 
and helping them uh, understand the importance of mental training? Yeah. So um, I've been doing this work for many years. I've been licensed as a psychologist for the last 15 years and have worked a lot with endurance athletes. And I'm an endurance athlete myself. And um, especially with endurance sports, the link between the mental and physical are so difficult to separate. Like you you actually probably can't separate them because... Um, you know, our minds and bodies are so connected and so much mm -hmm. of doing well in endurance sports, obviously, is being able to go through the challenges that you encounter over mm -hmm. hours, right? Yeah. So, um, so most of the time, uh, you know, what I recommend and work with people on is how to build in the awareness of their, um, you know, what they're thinking, how they feel about things, into all aspects of their training. So they're not just looking at the physical, you know, all their training plans that are mostly physical, but looking at mm -hmm. how they feel, what what went well, what they're saying to themselves and really trying to work on enhancing those things so that they can perform better and, and actually enjoy their sports better. So, mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, because sometimes that's left until race day or the week before when people are nervous and then it's, you know, really hard to make up for that in the end. So. Yeah, that's something maybe we'll get into a little bit further in the show because mm -hmm. I, I do think it's really fascinating how so many triathletes, uh, they'll start thinking about their mental game like a couple of weeks out from from a race when it actually like building that into the day-to-day -day is mm -hmm. is so so important so maybe that maybe that i guess the next natural question then it would be how do you help people build that into the day-to-day -day? and so that is part of training mm -hmm. so that part of training isn't just physical but training is mental as well as yes. or psychological as well as as physical how do you help your athletes with that yeah so uh, you know everything is individualized so one of the things i really like to have people think about is also what kind of person they are and you know what their strengths and weaknesses are so let's say um and some ways to figure that out also is to be able to journal so you if you have a training journal you're actually entering um you know, again, thoughts, feelings for the day. Um, if you think you are someone who's more anxious, trying to work in, and actually I wouldn't even say anxious, but everyone should be working in some form of relaxation, mm -hmm. um, uh, some form of getting to know what they think they're going to worry about. Um, but I really like journaling. I like people trying different exercises over the, you know, however many months you're training, actually mm -hmm. trying something every day and sticking mm -hmm. with it. Um, and, you know, figuring out what works for you. So I'll, you know, I can give many tips of different types of exercises, but the, the thing I do love about endurance sports is the fact that we have a built-in, um, uh, we have built-in space to actually figure ourselves out if we're paying attention. Mm. So one of the things I recommend to people, if you're doing an event where you can't listen to music, is actually doing all your training without music. So you can yes. be with your mind and figure out how you deal with hard workouts or challenges or not doing a workout like you wanted, what comes up for you, what's your self-talk, um, 
and then being able to go home and think like, well, tomorrow I want to try this other thing and see if it works. Because mm-hmm. a lot of things work if you believe in them and if you can see the results. Right, right, yeah. right. And it's, it's, it's so fascinating too, isn't it, that the journey to the start line of a race often involves... Uh, how can I put this? A journey of learning a lot about oneself. Yes, yes. Right, whether it's your first Ironman or first sprint triathlon, mm-hmm. um, the journey to the start line is going to uncover things that way beyond swim, bike, run. Yes, yes. Um, and I'm sure you could give some examples. Obviously, without giving away any, any client confidentiality, of course. But I'm sure you could, it might be interesting for you to give some examples of what that might look like mm-hmm. in in the course of your work and mm-hmm. the course of working with athletes mm-hmm. uh, and then build in some of those examples that you were just referencing about yeah. what people might do day to day. Yes. Um, yeah. Yes. So, um, and, you know, just, and I'll give an example of, of myself cause it's easier just to talk mm-hmm. more freely. Um, but, uh, I remember, you know, just an example of doing a bike ride. Like, so I went on this bike ride with someone who was a much faster cyclist than me with a bunch of their friends. And I was, you know, he'd been like, oh, sure, just come along. It will be fine. So I go, we're climbing mountains and I was the slowest of the pack. And mm-hmm. and I couldn't get over that. Like, I felt like uh, for most yeah. of the ride, I kept being like, oh, they're so annoyed. I can't keep up. I'm doing all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I had a pretty horrible ride because of that even if I did Mm -hmm. the actual training uh, I mean I did the whole ride everyone was fine but uh, being able to look at that afterwards and actually be like you know I'm just how can I stay present and focus I was trying during the ride to be like all I'm doing is going on this ride if they don't want to ride with me they can leave me they're not stuck and I need to work on this mental aspect because the ride was fine if I didn't have that layer of, you know, feeling a lot of pressure to keep up, right, and not mm-hmm. being able to. So, you know, what I'd say to an athlete like that is just being able to have more positive self-talk. Next time I go on a ride with faster people, I can be happier that they're pushing me and I'm actually there, I'm able to do it and mm-hmm. focus on whatever is right ahead of me versus that self-talk so it just gave me weeks after and it's something I remembered to this day to be like you know just be present and don't worry about everyone else right <laughs> right and keeping the choices yeah yeah and keeping the focus on yourself versus yes. what's going on around yeah. you with everybody else because yes. you you have no way of controlling what they're doing or thinking yes. or whatever you can only control you yeah. right yes and, um, and it's such a fatiguing process. You're tired from the mental stuff more than the actual physical work. Totally, yeah. So, um, and that re and that reframing too mm-hmm. is that can make such a difference, can't it? If you're thinking, oh, "This is a great ride. This is, this is mm-hmm. I'm feeling really good. Like mm-hmm. it's so beautiful out here. The weather's amazing. Yes, I feel like I'm pedaling really well. Yes, versus versus like the self talk that goes oh, they're so much faster than me. They're going to drop me. Yes. I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. But I think that changes so many things, not just within the brain, but like physiologically. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you can probably talk more about that for sure. Yes. Right? But- and also, I mean, just thinking of the um, the physical stress on the body, my tension is not just in my head, right? Like it's impacting probably how fast I'm biking, right. how I'm able to breathe, um, which is probably making me slower. Then it reinforces itself in my mind. And, you know, it's just a cycle that can be so hard to break out of. So yeah. 
anything that helped, you know, if I knew that right then, I'd have been able to be like, okay, just slow down and breathe, do some breathing things or (laughs) count, you know, do some counting, focus on anything else, enjoy the weather, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So so if you, if you did have a client that came to you and said, this is, this is a problem. I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm focused on what others are doing. Mm -hmm. I'm, uh, it impacts my enjoyment. It impacts my, yeah my enthusiasm for the, for my training, like, how do I, what do I actually do? How do, do I actually improve that? Okay. So a few steps I'd take. So there's, so one thing I'd actually ask and think about is why they're doing this. So if we can mm. come back to the basics first of like, mm-hmm. well, you know, what is the point? So for me, it was going out with my friend and enjoying a ride I'd never done. So having the client be like, what's your actual purpose? And also what old things, maybe it's bringing up some old, um, um, you know, feeling like maybe you're not as good or feeling Mm -hmm. like you wouldn't fit in or whatever it is. So trying to identify what's behind it, which is different for everyone. And then, and then, um, having a way of reminding yourself that you're in a different place, right? So if you have whatever baggage we're carrying in our lives, which we all have some, being able to come back to like, actually, I am here. I'm able to do this. Here's why I'm doing it. So Mm -hmm. um, I always like visual reminders, which is why I like journaling, because our heads tend to you know, it's hard to change something just by thinking it. So maybe even writing something down that you stick on your wall or you have in your training journal that reminds you of your um, your purpose, why you're doing mm-hmm. this, and trying yeah. to lighten it up because I think many of us endurance people are pretty in- can can be intense if I'm going to generalize and yeah. want to do things well and mm-hmm. you know are competitive. So. Oh yeah, I think that's a, that's a very fair generalization. I don't think you're stepping out of your box there. No. So yeah, so playing with our minds to, to actually remind ourselves that the truth actually is that we're even if we're professionals, we we are doing things hopefully because we enjoy them on some level. Mm-hmm. So trying yeah. to. Uh, piece together what is enjoyable for you and how to always come back to that or what's the point anyway why am I taking this so seriously and how can I lighten it up a little and then maybe it's doing practices like okay if this happens again because it probably will come up right you know what are you you know can you focus on the sounds around you the birds can Mm -hmm. you focus on counting can you focus on your pedal stroke can you you know whatever it is trying some different things so yeah there's the meaning and then an actual practice that works for someone yeah yeah yeah. interesting so there's obviously there's that which i imagine is quite common with some of the endurance athletes that you see but Mm. are there other common examples of mistakes or common mistakes Mm -hmm. that you that you you find that endurance athletes tend to make when it comes to the, the psychological side of things yeah um so a major one i I would say is um, not pre- some people aren't very prepared for things not to go the way that they wish, uh, right? Yep. So, um, you know, you may train physically and be like, yes, I'm ready. And then I want this to go the way I, I hope. And mm-hmm. if it doesn't, like being able, you know, sometimes people aren't prepared to be like, well, I got a flat or I tripped and mm-hmm. fell or something terrible happened. Um, and how do I recover and get back uh, 
to racing. So, or, um, yeah, so, so I'd say that's one, just doing everything and then being devastated if it doesn't work versus mm -hmm. looking at the journey, you know, the mishaps as part of the journey and part of the learning. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd say preparing with, the idea that things may not go well would be one yep. goal of working it into your training, right? Um, and uh, so that's one one thing. That's interesting say. that you say that because in the previous in last month's show we had we were talking to Coach Becca Keat and we were talking about preparing for your first race of the season, like getting race ready. And we we're both talking about how, uh, as part of getting race ready, you often visualize your ideal race <laughs> mm -hmm. right but you only you, you visualize your race from start to finish and it's this great movie in your head of mm -hmm. how everything's going to go but like then when something does go wrong mm -hmm. as it invariably does mm -hmm. especially like when you're racing longer distance races like i am then mm -hmm. uh then it is like oh i i wasn't ready for this flat or i wasn't ready for losing all my nutrition mm -hmm. or i wasn't ready for the aid stations being somewhere completely different or whatever it is you know <laughs> yes, yes um and so like having that flexibility or that um versatility in coping with coping with mishaps coping with mistakes mm -hmm. um having almost like that little um being a little bit more malleable if you like with yes. outcome and is that something that you uh is that something that you think endurance athletes can or is that something you see athletes working on enough like prepare or visualize maybe maybe i can rephrase that better and say like should we visualize mistakes and, and bad outcomes with a view to being more ready for them. Yes, I, I would definitely say, um, yeah, definitely working in the things you can you think would be hard for you, right? Like we all have our different things. You may be thinking, what if this happens or if this happens, this would be terrible. So if yeah. you already have that, like actually working it into a visualization imagery practice and trying to visualize or not trying to, but actually visualizing how you would handle it in a way that you'd be right. proud, right? So working those in, obviously there's some things you can predict, but I think the flexibility and the mindset of I'm actually on this exciting journey. I I do want to finish at whatever my goal is, but part of the journey is to see how I'll overcome anything that comes up. So that's yes. actually why I'm doing this kind of sport, right? Yeah. Is yeah. how will I overcome adversity and feel good about it, whatever it is. Right. Um, and that's and, coming back to the why mm -hmm. that you were asking yes. about yeah. just now. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And hopefully if you're doing more than one race you're going to have many chances right to sort of be like oh i'm building more flexibility into my approach right yeah yeah um, okay so, and are there other common mistakes that you you uh you think that endurance athletes are plagued by or things that you <laughs> you you wish athletes would work on more so um well i think i mentioned that trying to have fun, which, you know, keeping that central because we can all be serious. Um, the, oh, and also maybe overtraining because of a lack of confidence or worrying that you're not doing enough and, you know, trying to actually trust if you have a coach or a plan that you're doing enough and you can rest, um, not overtrain um, and, you know, that would be one aspect of taking Yeah, that's interesting. Let, let's mm -hmm. dig into that a little bit because that's something that a lot of triathletes do, right? Mm -hmm. 
not not having the confidence or not feeling assured in their training for whatever reason that might be. Yes. Uh, that might be internal. That might be an external factor. Um, and then keeping going and pushing and doing more than they more than they should when perhaps it might be better to take a rest day or yes. sleep in. Yes. Um, where does yeah. how how do we work on that? Like that's a biggie, right? Because yes. because a lot of triathletes, their problem isn't uh, doing too too little; it's yes. doing too much. Yeah, and actually, um, you know, this is yeah just a problem with athletes in general. I find that with my work, what I'm doing is actually trying to slow people down and right. trying to help people like. Um, just relax more and have more lightness. I keep speaking about this. Um, and and one of the things I think is about experiments. So if you're like, okay, I'm, I'm not completely trusting that I can take time off, but let me do it for this training period. Let me hmm. commit to doing what's on the plan and, and also paying attention to my body and myself. I can take a day off right. if I need it because right. it's worse to be injured. And let me have this year be the year that I'm doing this. And if it doesn't work, we'll try something else next year. But yeah. if I trust this, there's nothing, you know, I'm not so different from everyone else. If I trust that my plan is fine, <laughs> I can let go. And, uh, and also paying attention to what successful athletes are doing right it's like they're good at listening to themselves if they have mm-hmm. a day where things are off they'll they can drop the workout because they're training all the time it's like today's yes. an off day i'm not there mentally i'll rest and tomorrow i'll try again right so i know if you're not a professional who's paid to do this and who has to you know feel like you have to squeeze everything in and do it um it can be hard to let go, but it's really important to pay attention to your body and your mind. <laughs> and that is perhaps one of the things that I think make, you know, sometimes can be the difference between a good athlete and a great athlete mm-hmm. is that capacity or that ability to stop and listen to the body mm-hmm. versus, or maybe having the, com- or maybe it's like you say, it's confidence mm-hmm. to listen to the body um, and then listening to them. Yeah really getting in touch with what's happening inside versus being pulled and pushed and pulled by external factors. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Is that something that you, it, maybe in the most resilient or mentally resilient athletes, is that, is that something that you see or in this most successfully, you know, maybe in the most successful athletes, is that something you see? Yeah, definitely. Just paying attention to themselves. I, um, part of, uh, what I've done in the years, be, you know, part of my job has also been taking people to uh, Kenya to run there and to train and what, you know, just be around the running culture there. And so many times you'll see people, you know, their training be like, whoa, today's not my day. I can't keep up with the group and I'm out of it. I don't know why they'll just drop off and go have a mellow day that day and try mm-hmm. again the next day. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause you don't want to push yourself and injure yourself for nothing or kind of defeat the purpose of training. So I think it's that mindset, the long term. I'm doing this hopefully for many oh. years. Even if yeah. I'm, um, you know, an age group person, I want to be fit and active for as long as I can. So I need to pay attention to my where I am. <laughs> right. This one, so- this one workout's not gonna 
change the course of my life right now. Right, right. So. Yeah, taking that longer term view. Mm-hmm. Because I think there are athletes for whom that is innate. Mm-hmm. Like they do have that capacity to learn, listen to biofeedback. But for an athlete who doesn't have that necessarily or, or hasn't honed that or is new and doesn't, yes. how, do, how do they learn or how do you help them learn to listen to themselves, to listen to their bodies? Um, you know, I always think of the journey. So for someone new, um, the way that may show up, and I, I generally have had people who've been doing a little bit, but I think as a new person, so first it's going to be a learning process. You may figure it out after your first few races, frankly, <laughs> when you're like, oh, okay, I'm not feeling well, or I'm feeling so exhausted, or I'm feeling unhappy. I mean, I think if you're miserable doing something, mm-hmm. it may be that you're doing too much, and yeah. tr- trying to refer them to good sources of information that mm-hmm. reinforce the fact that you shouldn't be training so hard. Um, right. And for new people also, especially with running, you know, people may have the sense that they're slow, but they're actually pushing too hard because they're new. (laughs) So having people actually start figuring out pacing is helpful to be like, Mm -hmm. yeah. So some of the physical training stuff overlaps with you shouldn't be tired all the time, right? You shouldn't actually be working hard all the time. And that's just um, pointing them sometimes to sources that they can be like, this expert says this, and let's just follow that till you learn the sport more. Right. Because physical training and fatigue obviously impacts the brain and rest and recovery and how we sleep and how we adapt and all the rest of it. So, Okay, so say you've got um, an athlete coming to you who has, they've just entered an Ironman and it's in, let's say for the sake of easy math, it's in six months' time. Um, And we're being mindful of the fact that we want to not just train them physically, but we want them to arrive on the start line feeling holistically great, not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, Mm -hmm. ready to go. Uh, Their training's gone well. Let's assume their training's gone well. Um, From your point of view as a psychologist, what does that six months look like uh, from entering a race to to race day? Maybe take take us on like a step-by-step journey, if you like, to help how you would help an athlete get to that start line, um, feeling good in every way. Okay. Uh, and what that, and how that might how it might play out and maybe some examples of things you might work with them on okay. i realize that I, this is a very I'm, I'm painting like broad strokes because i could come to you with a completely different set of baggage yes. than <laughs> athlete b would but yes. um maybe a, yeah. yeah so from just, a generic standpoint yeah so from a generic standpoint i would um so okay so we have our six month training and i would one, have them journal, like make notes every day, right? And these could just be a few moments, right? Like for every train, uh, focusing on uh, maybe a thought that stood out, something that just came up from the training, good or bad. Okay. Yep. This was my positive thoughts, uh, the stuff that was stressful on this run, and uh, the emotions I had. So really starting to identify thoughts and emotions and seeing how they're oh, linked because our thoughts mm-hmm. actually impact our emotions or emotions don't mm-hmm. just come from nowhere so mm-hmm. starting to know that just like you would on anything like today i felt um 
I felt excited um, because I did really well on this fr- <laughs> on this front is my thought. Emotion, happy percentage mm-hmm. of that. So starting to see patterns, right? That would okay. be an easy thing to note. Um, uh, other things I do is start having them if they have a practice already of uh, either meditation or breathing or mindfulness. Um, if they don't, working in and uh, breathing, relaxation activity that they can do at least a minimum of 10 minutes a day to start mm-hmm. just getting in the habit of being like, oh, this actually makes me feel good. It helps me pay attention to my mind. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, I would have most workouts without music. Maybe some have them for whatever purpose, but to start actually just letting the heads do whatever it does. So mm-hmm. we're starting to, again, notice our uh, patterns, thoughts, Um we would also be talking about, um, uh, oh, doing a lot of visualizations, right? So imagining mm-hmm. the race, imagining the event, working in how you think you'll go through the course and doing that from as early on, right? Like from the beginning. Yeah. So yeah. it just becomes a pattern of thinking. And obviously first being clear on your goals, what you want to get uh, uh, from it, Um and there'd be lots of journaling prompts around this kind of stuff. What are your goals? How do you stay in the enjoyment of it? How do you show up excited? How do mm-hmm. you manage anxiety? So that's mm-hmm. because that's common. Um, right. And also, how do you find out what your, because um, again, everyone is different. So are you someone who performs at your best if you're feeling really energetic and just have a lot of positive uh, excitement or maybe some anger, maybe you work well with anxiety and, or are you someone who actually just needs to be really mellow <laughs> before you start? Yeah. So we'd work on figuring that kind of stuff out. Um, and what if I came to you with all outcome? Like what if I came to you and I said, okay, I want to win this Ironman in six months. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, 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 that's my goal. That's okay. it. Yes. Um, obviously, that's a great outcome goal. Yeah. But um, <laughs> well, that you, can lead to a lot of anxiety too. <laughs> yes. Well, and, you know, I would still, with someone like that, that's a fine goal. I, I'd want to know why first because, you know, sometimes people just assume you just want to win for this reason. So how come you want to win? Um, what does it mean for you? What will it mean for you if you win or don't win? But... Mm-hmm that's an outcome goal. I'd actually still come back to a process. Like how do you want to feel during the race? How do you want to prepare for it? And, um, and what if you don't win? Like what, you mm-hmm. know, what's, how's that going to Well, the go? world stop turning. <laughs> yes. But, you know, can you still feel good about it if you give it your all and uh, deal with whatever comes in a way that you'd be proud of? So I'd still try and take, help them figure it out how you know and and honestly we don't actually have a you don't have control of such an outcome you can have that as you go yeah it was my sneaky way of asking the question about (laughs) like process goals versus outcome goals and um and the important maybe i don't know i'd be interested in your opinion on whether you would want somebody to have an equal number of outcome and process goals or you would steer do you steer athletes away from having 
uh, fixed outcome, like outcome goals that are very, like, very hard. Um, would you would you want to see more process goals? Well, I think, again, because I've worked with really competitive people and pros and people winning stuff, right? Like, I think that's a fine goal, but, cause, but I think it can, that's, a little bit in the background yes you want to win but what does that actually mean with your process how are you going to go about your training um how are you going to have fun with it if you're someone who's going to feel a lot of pressure from all the external stuff around who you are or the performance how do we get grounded in what you actually what this means for you and and one of one of the things i actually love um and I feel like this works well for people is to also broaden the goal to be more than just about you. So yes, I want to win this, but for what purpose, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's also easier if you're a little bit motivated with something larger than yourself, even if you're winning and making money or (laughs) having status, but is it helping anyone? And trying to start focusing on that because that also gives you motivation, (laughs) right? When things are yeah. Totally. And what, what, how much of a red flag would it be then if an athlete said to you, I want to win because I want the status and kudos that comes with winning? <laughs> like, well, what happens then? Well, I think for me, that's just more interesting to be like, well, but how, like, how does that make you feel or what comes mm-hmm. from that actually? And just digging deeper because there's mm-hmm. usually like, well, and then what if you don't win? Do you have yeah. no status? And like, is your whole identity wrapped up in this? Right. And Which if, I do think is a common, yeah. something that we, we commonly see yes. in, in yeah. triathlon, multi-sport, and endurance athletes. Yeah. It, it's a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of validation comes from a race result which can be like a rocky road yes and and honestly i i would say for most people i've worked with where that's the only you know that's all you want it's actually Mm -hmm. not a very deep um i would wonder about what you know like (laughs) what else is in your life do you um that has meaning, right? Like, do you mm-hmm. feel like this is the only meaningful thing? And if so, how do we broaden that so that yeah. it's not all in one basket? Whatever it was, if it was sport or anything else, can we right. have more balance? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that that's still just a fun goal, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and just so earlier on, just then you were talking about building in meditation and mindfulness into um, a daily into a daily routine, into a daily practice. Mm-hmm. And it's obviously something that's been... I mean, it's very widely talked about now, meditation and mm. mindfulness, and we we all read about it and we all know that we should be doing it. Um, could you talk could you talk a little bit about the benefits as you see them for athletes okay. and how that plays out? Okay, yeah. And, and I like that you say this because one of the reasons sometimes talking about this stuff sometimes is so hard in a general way is because I really like people to figure out what works for them and to do it right. So if you're trying mm-hmm. anything you read, don't feel like you have to do it if it doesn't make sense, right? Mm-hmm. Give something a try, go for it for a few months uh, and see if it actually works for you. Um, mm-hmm. The benefits I'd say is being able to see things as they are, which helps you adapt to whatever life brings, right? So mm-hmm. if I'm good at being present um, and you can do this in any way, you don't, even just have to sit and meditate. You could be like, on a training run, I'm trying to focus on 
all the sounds I hear, how many birds I hear, what colors I see as I run. So this can mm -hmm. be an active process. Um, mm -hmm. And you have an hour to do that on your slower <laughs> um, training where you can do that. Um, mm -hmm. And it just helps you notice what's there, let go of things, which is a really helpful practice for a new race. I'm doing mm -hmm. really well and now I feel like it sucks, but I'm not attaching to my thoughts. I'm just watching them come and go. So yes. that is the biggest thing I'd say that anyone who has an actual meditation practice knows is things are always coming in and out of our brains. <laughs> and if yeah. we're good at not attaching to them, we actually can focus on the thoughts that push us. If you know, we can we can use our heads uh, to get us where we want more than just attaching to a thought and being like, oh, this thought must be true. And now I can't get off it like I did with my bike right. ride. I'm stuck on this right. thing and I'm not letting go. So, yes, yes. Yeah, getting enmeshed into those thoughts, like you on your bike ride, like yes. I, I can't keep up. I'm slower than these people. Yeah. I'm not good enough. Yes. And then and just yeah, so on, going. just tumbling and spiraling. Yeah. Versus, you know, people, especially very brainy, smart people, which again, I'm going to stereotype, but people in these sports are like, sometimes we can also be in our heads so much and we put a lot of stock in our thoughts versus yes. being like, actually, thoughts are just thoughts. They're like your heart beating. And then mm -hmm. we give them weight based on whatever. So if we can be like, huh, that's interesting. I'm watching that come and go. <laughs> um, yes. And having a, 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 the benefit of a practice that allows you to do that is just to start seeing them for what they are versus yeah. they're true all the time. <laughs> yes. Um, a sports psychologist once said to me, think of thoughts as, or visual, think about your thoughts as if they're leaves rolling down a stream. Yes. Like you don't necessarily jump in and dive after every every, every leaf rolling yes. down, uh, floating down the stream, um, but you can. It's very easy to do that if you get caught yes. up in yes um, in those things. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Um, another one. Uh, I know a lot of people like, and, and again, it's another thing that's quite trendy. A lot of people like uh, having race day mantras, or maybe a training session mantra, or. Mm -hmm. um, uh, what's your experience with those? And is that something you like to see athletes doing? Um, so I I like them as a point of focus for sure. So, and mm. same as thinking of these are just thoughts in your head. So it's actually picking a leaf that works, being like, hey, this leaf is pretty. It's going to get me to the next, the next point I need to get to. So um, if, if I'm overwhelmed by the physical sensation of pain or feeling like I can't continue because I'm, you know, I'm tired and my body is mm -hmm. trying to shut down. I can focus on something simple that just allows my mind to do something versus go off on these thoughts that are bringing me down. So really simple self-talk, simple mantra or keywords, anything like, you know, even I'm fine or <laughs> I'm okay, I'm focused. Keeping it simple is really great because it's repetition and it's focus. Yeah. And is it something that you um, encourage people to do in training yes. versus just have yeah. in, so have in their pocket yes. from from training and it's something they bring out for racing? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Practice in okay. those, those six months or whatever before your race. Right. Yeah. 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 And then uh, I guess another big topic, which is again, kind of a trendy topic, but not trendy, but um, the topic of burnout and fatigue like emotional fatigue mm -hmm. i know when you were on our uh, team triathlete slack a few a few weeks ago answering questions 
as uh, our resident expert there, but we had a few questions about emotional burnout and resilience and that kind of thing. Because obviously the last two years have been yes. very, very challenging for for lots of, well, for everybody. Um, mm-hmm. Is that something that you're seeing become more problematic for athletes? Is that something that you're dealing with more and more in your work? I think, um, well, one, I'd say in general compared to the general, like non-athlete population, I actually feel like athletes have done quite well um, in comparison. So hopefully everyone gives themselves a pat on the back for, because of the ability also just to do, you know, to to have a practice of doing difficult things with our sports. Hopefully if we're able to be like, hey, I have the skill of thinking things are going to go a certain way and then they don't. So if you can Mm -hmm. be like, I think I'm going to race, all races are canceled. I can see this as a larger part pattern, right? I'll mm-hmm. race again. Um, but I think the thing that also causes burnout may be focusing on things you can't control, right? Like, so with right. the pandemic, with all this stuff going on, the main thing is helping athletes kind of, again, stay centered on what's in my control, why am I doing mm-hmm. things, and mm-hmm. how do I f- stay on that? If, if we don't have races these last few years, um, Am I running because I actually love running and it gives me some benefit outside of racing and competing, right? Like, so how do right. I come back to the core, the source of what I actually get out of this? And some yeah. people just love racing all the time and that's fine, but maybe it's challenging you to do something else that feels good, right? Yeah, you know, definitely. Try something new and get fresh, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, because I think at the start of 2020, when people realized there oh, there aren't going to be any races this year, and then obviously again uh, last year, for a lot of people, that was a kind of a bit of a kick. Because yes. it's like, oh, I, I trained to race. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, the carrot at the end of the stick is no longer there. Mm-hmm. And again, I guess that asks, yeah, and we, we all had to go back to our why, like, why do I do this? Yes. And, yeah. and I think as a result, maybe you've got... Um, a cohort of athletes now who are far more uh, lifestyle, I, I think, could just be shooting out in the dark here, but far more lifestyle oriented, you know, training for health and enjoyment and well-being. I think that's, we certainly see that with our audience. Um, people are far more lifestyle oriented into well, their well-being versus my races in September. Here we are in April. How do I get there? You know, Um is that something, would you agree? Like, what, how does that land with you? Uh, I would. And, and even with people who are like, yes, I train to race, I would still look at like you are getting, hopefully, if you're not burning out, like you, there are mental health benefits to it. Hopefully mm-hmm. it helps your relationships, hopefully. So I would mm-hmm. start just broadening it. So everything's, again, not in one basket, whatever it is you mm-hmm. do to be like, I can pivot. I'm a whole person. You know, maybe it's a chance to do some other sport and give my body mm-hmm. a rest or, you know, yeah. so, um, and also what else can I do with this that helps people while I'm not yeah. racing, right? Like, yes. So just seeing yourself as a whole person, I think helps to be like, and I'm adaptable. If I'm a good racer and this is all I do, then I have a lot of strength and resilience. How do I yes. transfer that? Because we've gone through something really hard and we're getting through it. Right. So even as a, I mean, people may see this differently, but I still think 
Well, we've gone through a few years of something none of us would have predicted, which also shows right. some some resilience, even with all this Definitely. stuff around it. So yeah. just trying to remain with that positive focus and know that hopefully we're all around trying things for a while. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And when it comes, maybe for athletes who do find it harder to switch off or do find it harder to... Um, I don't know, rejuvenate and relax. Yes. What would what would be your top tips for, you know, I basically, I mean, maybe this is more of a, a question about how do you avoid burnout or how do you, yes. how do you build that emotional resilience? How do you, mm-hmm. yeah, how do you, on a recovery day, how do you finish the day yes. feeling recovered yes. versus yes. more stressed out? Yes. So, and this is where I think like with whatever level of athletes, I'm always interested in, you know, what else is interesting to you? What else gives you Mm. energy? What else gives your life meaning? And if it really is feeling like those things aren't there, that's where I'd focus my energy. Because again, Mm -hmm. athletes are driven, you're going to train and perform. So Mm -hmm. for me, it's moving people more to a balance of, am I reading? Am I turning off stuff that makes me feel busy right like too busy Mm -hmm. if i'm professional Mm -hmm. or even if i'm training for an ironman that's a lot of energy am i Mm -hmm. doing things that help me um rest and eat well and eat things i enjoy and yeah laugh and talk with people and and build community even with very competitive people i'm like you know people need to be talking to each other and excited for each other's <laughs> successes yes right? yes so building more of that connection even if we're in yeah. an individual sport to be like we need to maybe just push to be like huh we're not just in our heads by ourselves <laughs> yeah so, working solely towards yes. that iron man in six months it's like it, you're trying to fill your life with yeah. it's a jigsaw with other pieces yes. beyond just being an athlete yeah yeah, yeah so, it was interesting we had a guest uh, michael zinski on the show a few months ago and he was talking about the fact that he'd um taken the step of moving some of his workouts and just taking an, and taking an hour and just reading on the couch without any yes. external stimulus. Yes. And that was his, and he found that that was rejuvenating. Yes. Him and that was versus like going and running seven or eight miles and being caught in the metrics of that. And yes. Actually, I'm going to switch everything off. I'm going to go lay on the couch and read yeah without any you know without any distractions yes and, and he was talking about how rejuvenating that was and yeah. how that was very much like a way to kickstart recovery so yes yeah um as you're saying as you're saying that then it just made me think of, of that yeah and and also making sure people aren't kind of um racing too much right so are you actually having yeah. some periods in the year where you are taking it easy and doing stuff that's just fun that's not competitive or mm. you know like um again remembering you just want that balance um uh, and the other thing i was going to say with meditation or imagery or visualization you're uh, you know this research also that shows that it actually helps you with your training so if you feel worried that you're not training enough even spending an hour lying on the couch dreaming of how you want things to go that's actually going to help you race so oh, you can be like oh it's actually you know helping my muscles rehearse and my brain rehearse what I want to do. And it has a benefit. The other thing I was going to say actually about meditation is 
even if you're not sleeping well, there's some benefit of rest. So if you feel like, oh, all I'm doing is lying around daydreaming, <laughs> that's actually a helpful practice for for all of us. So. And helping to change the brain a little bit yes. in the process, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, so maybe a, a good final question for you, a bit of a fun one. But what do you, of of some of the most successful athletes that you've uh, worked with, what do you, what are the common threads or the common traits, common skills from a mental um, mental strength, mental resilience standpoint? What are some of the common, yeah, common threads that you see in them all that y- you think? Oh, that's it. That's they've got the they've got the magic sauce. They've got the secret sauce. What is maybe are there a handful of traits or a handful of skills they have that you can see that separate them from from the everyman or woman? Okay, so I would say one. It's usually a process, right? Like anything else, people have um, if they're going to be a successful athlete for a while, right? Mm-hmm. You could always get out there and just perform and be good, but if you're around. <laughs> um, your, your, you know, people are, um, well, besides spending lots of time training, thinking about themselves, mm-hmm. thinking about the sport, um, they're also good at letting go of things that don't go well, right? Like mm-hmm. something happens and doesn't go well, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to try and learn from it and then try something else next time. Mm-hmm. So not kind of letting that seep into their self-concept, but being like, mm-hmm. okay, well, again i'm learning something like we would with any job right or anything um so that flexibility uh, adaptation Mm -hmm. practicing letting Mm -hmm. go adapting to what comes we've all adapted hopefully to the pandemic and life post will will keep Mm -hmm. adapting even in our endurance sports the sense of community and having other people who are invested in your training um, mm-hmm. so not being so individualistic <laughs> we keep coming to um, yes and kind of having larger you're doing it because it's helping other people it's inspiring mm-hmm. other people you're giving back to community it sort of has a larger purpose I would say sort of can fuel the people I know who are are doing well and passionate um yeah uh so bigger than bigger than self bigger than just yeah bigger than just i, I oh and i was gonna say i mean i know maybe I, this comes up but not afraid to make mistakes right so welcoming mistakes mm. as part of everything <laughs> because yeah. if you're not making mistakes you're not taking risks like you if you're not pushing yeah. yourself sometimes to whatever limit and not knowing if it will work you know you never know what you can do if it backfires right. you'll learn something right yeah so, so just having some lightness and fun and learning from right even if they may seem intense right yeah yeah but oftentimes i think it's the the greatest risks that bring the greatest rewards yes yeah um, seeing what happens and believing in yourself being able to build that those positive um uh associations right to be like oh i've done some stuff before i think i can or i know (laughs) i can (laughs) let's keep trying like so yeah oh that's very good yes yes Thank you, Corey. Really appreciate your uh, your time and expertise and insights today. Yes. And thank you for joining us. Yes. And uh, definitely be looking forward to having you uh, on again. And uh, I know you're going to be continuing to work with us on triathlete.com. So uh, yeah, thank you for your thank you for your time yes. and brains. Yes, <laughs> thank you for being for inviting me and for all that you do. And yeah, I'm so glad to be here.
Cool. Thank you. All right. In Beyond the Binary, a short film from Shimano, Casey Cross shares their journey to understanding the intersections of their own identity and how they're working to create a more inclusive and accessible cycling culture. Filmed last year in Fayetteville, Arkansas, Beyond the Binary sheds light on the rigidness of gender, being black in America, mental health, and the ways in which the bicycles help them find community and healing. You can check out the video in our show notes online or at ride.shimano.com forward slash stories forward slash beyond the binary. That's ride.shimano.com forward slash stories forward slash beyond the binary. Next up, we're joined by Chris Foster, our executive editor and resident gear guru. Now, for the first time ever on Fitter and Faster, Chris does not have a laundry list of gear and equipment for us that he recommends. Instead, we discover that when it comes to mental training and sports psychology, there's actually a lack of high-tech gadgets. But in our chat here, we group it into three distinct categories, no-tech, low-tech, and high-tech. And as always, there's plenty of entertainment along the way. Okay, here's our chat with Chris. Hello, Chris. The Gear Guru is in the house. Thank you for joining us. How are you today? I'm good, EK. How are you? I am pretty good. Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to talking all things mental training with you. Yes, yes, which was a a mental training struggle for me because there's just not a ton of gear out there, but we'll get to that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like I I was, I think it's part of our show now for us to have the weather chat before, as the prep set for before our main set. So, you know, you need to fill me in on the LA weather, please. You know, I, I, I... I need this update in my life. All right. So a little warm up. Um, so la- a couple of days ago, we were up at like 82 degrees. Okay. So it was like all hands on deck, like everyone buying new ACs, state of emergency, like everyone's like dousing themselves in ice water. But now we're back down to like 76, which is like oh, every okay. LA person's sweet spot. Because if it goes nice. below 72... We got the parkas out. We got the hats on. I'm always on. Heaters. Yep. It's another state of emergency because everyone's got their heaters running. So we're out of power. So we got no power. It's a very tenuous existence here in LA. Yikes. So how about your weather? Tell me about the Boulder weather. Well, I'm very, very pleased to tell you that for the first time recording Fitter and Faster this year, <laughs> we're recording and there is no snow on the ground. And that makes Incredible. me very happy. And I'm sitting here in a t-shirt and there's blue skies. So... In things April. are looking up things what are looking up in boulder i know <laughs> Whew. Whew. Yeah. so but i know yeah so mental training i know uh it's not something that necessarily lends itself to an obvious gear connection as we no. were as we were saying before but uh i know you've still done your very best and you've got three distinct categories for us haven't you yes so until we we get into the the distant future where we're implanting things into our brains and I can do a Probably whole round of yeah, brain implants that'll help you with focus. There's just not a ton out there because mm-hmm. um, few people really like tinkering with their brain, as, you know, nor, nor they should they. Um, so there's three categories I like to think of. No tech, low tech, and high tech. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, the no tech is probably the biggest category. And this is um, almost like the you know, the absence of gear, you know, it's taking all the gear that you have um, and not necessarily being like, all right, I'm getting rid of my gear forever. You know, I don't need to know power. I don't need to know heart rate. You know, I don't ever want to listen to music again, but it's these sessions that are kind of um, intentional. 
you know, mm -hmm. like every session you should, you do should have a reason more or less, you mm -hmm. know, I'm doing today's swim because it's got technique and I'm doing today's run because it's recovery or I want to, you know, get stronger or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think there's something to be said for days where you're really working on, um, you know, getting rid of all the numbers, the gear, yes. being with yourself, right. Mm -hmm. Checking in on your body. Like that's, yeah. that's huge. And we'll talk about yeah. some other stuff that does that more actively, but, um, but just like, okay, how do I feel? How do I, and then, and then there's some workouts that are just like pure character building, you know, Yes. like, like, yes, there's some physiological, um, you know, point to them. You're not just working out for workout's sake, but, but you're going into it being like, this is this, I might be a little in over my head, right? Like I, I might fail at this workout, you know, mm -hmm. that's like not something you necessarily want to do, but, but going into it being like, I, I don't know if I can do this. I don't, yeah. I don't know if I can complete this workout. Um, and then, and then trying to push through that, right? Yeah. And then putting that workout like in your back pocket for race day, you know, something Absolutely. that you can pull out and be like, remember when I did that blank? It's like, you know, if I did that, I can do this. Yeah. yeah. Um, because, you know, they say the biggest thing is, is not necessarily strength or speed, but it's how you adapt to situations. Like that's what mm -hmm. makes like a truly great athlete. Yes. Um, so I don't know about you, but like character building workouts, some of my biggest, well, no, tell me your biggest ones first. Oh, okay. Well, I think um, my brain probably goes straight to the pool. Yeah. And some of the places that I, I think. Um, me, every pool workout was a character building workout <laughs> because it was so awful for me. Go ahead. Every time you dive in, that's it. Yes, character I'm building. Building character. Um, I think about some of the workouts I did at Tower 26 with uh, mm. Jerry Rodriguez. I know you swam with him too, but yep. um, did you ever do the Mambo set? No. Yep. The Mambo. That I was one of later. The... He didn't have clever names for the things that we were doing. I was I was more the early iterations. So tell me about that. Yeah, so Mambo is a, a set of 10 200. Well, for us, it was 10 200s. Um, and you start on the turnaround time, and each each uh, each 200 rep, you lose five seconds off the turnaround. <laughs> um, so to start with, it can be quite like obviously the first ones are comfortable yeah but each time you're losing five seconds so you'll have it so the, the fatigue is accumulating and the time is getting tighter so everything's Squeezing happening you right um and so you get down to really like the last three or four 200s where that's kind of touch and go and you're like swimming as you're swimming pretty close to max yeah and it's just it's super hard but you have to stay focused you have to keep right. focused on technique like this right. as soon as you as soon as you start splashing around and losing right. You're done. Losing composure, losing, you know, not focusing, not concentrating on what you need to do, um, yeah. then you're you're out the back. Yeah. Uh, and so some of those workouts were very, very hard um, yeah. and definitely required like a place, uh, yeah, to go to a place where, you, like you say, you, you know you have to go there on race day or you right. know you have to go there when things get tough. Yeah. Um, so doing that in training is always, always good. So some of those, I, I definitely have those tucked in my, in my back pocket, like you say, for... Yeah. Uh, from, from swim, um, bike workouts, probably the hardest I've ever worked on a bike is probably riding with Julie Dibbins when I trained with her. <laughs> anytime doing... you go out with Dibbins, it's a character building situation. <laughs> and I think any, anybody on her crew now who's, yeah. who's still in her squad now probably say the same, but yeah, definitely, definitely like hill repeats or, you know, like long climbs. Yeah. And any of those, there were definitely like one or two sessions that really stand out for me as being like, Ooh, you're right. You know, you tuck those, you tuck those away. And yeah. you go to those and you're and, and, and at, at times in races where you're really like you feel like you're on the ropes right 
you go to those places and you're like, Hey, I pulled through that. I do. Let's, what did I do then? What did I do that day? How do I go back to that place? How did I get myself up this? Get through this. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So what about you? I'm sure you've got some, you've got some good ones. So for me, like the theme of like these character building workouts was always like hopelessness. (laughs) Well, there you go. That's bright and sunny for (laughs) us. I know. How bad is that? But it's just like, so for instance, we, we would always do these hundred by one hundreds in the pool on new year's morning on new year's morning like savage and and you're just like at the beginning i mean even like halfway through you're like i'm so far from from finished like i'm i'm 5k into this workout and i'm not i'm like barely you know i'm halfway like you just have no hope it's like despair just watch this (laughs) no (laughs) No hope no hope no help what what an advert for our sport there you know know. Well, but, but like, but then at the same time, you think about it, and it's like, okay, well, I mean, what the hell was a hundred, a hundreds doing for? I was a short course swimmer or yeah. you know, a triathlete. So it's like, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm swimming fifteen hundred. Like, you know, you know, physically, what is that doing for me? Well, you know, maybe I'm ironing out my technique. Maybe it's building endurance and strength. Probably not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just like, okay, like I have this thing that I need to set out to do, and it's so far away from me right now. Just like, yeah. you know, it would be in a race. Like the finish line feels so far because my leg is cramping or, mm-hmm. you know, I'm behind. For me, that was always the case. So I kind of needed that that hopelessness training um, because I'd be out of the water behind everyone. And and if, you know, if I got discouraged, it's not going to happen. So, so that was a big one, 100 hundreds in the pool, something like an 80 mile ride with like, again, I was a short course again, guy. Again, for a short course athlete, that's a lot. It was a lot, yeah. yeah. And, and then the last hour, like um a tt you're just like mm-hmm. okay i'm already t-, and this is like a siri kind of thing like we maybe mm-hmm. 60 80 somewhere in there and yep. you just be like i'm already so tired and i'm so pinned and it's like now you want me to go faster and you're just yep. like well i can't well you find a way you know like yep. you 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 um you know become impressed with what your body can do which i think is yep. was the point of that you know um yeah or like 10 by 1k at race pace that's just kind of a different mm-hmm. kind of hopelessness it's just like you have to run so fast you know yeah. like that's just like like 10 times through something that's just so fast like you can't check out you can't tune out yeah. um you know you just have to be on it for that whole period and then low rest and you're just back at it again so yeah those were the big ones for me i don't know if our listeners can probably identify with some of those things but um but they have their purpose you know? Yeah, and there's also I think doing some of those workouts in training, uh, as you're talking about this, like 10 one ks there, it, it reminds me of where you go. Like, what do you do? So in terms of rehearsal, like, what do you mm-hmm. do when you're in that much physical pain, right? And where do you go? And how do you cope with it? And how do you frame it? And how do you reframe it? And how do you, you know, because each k is getting obviously progressively harder. And right. You're on short rest. And fatigue's building and, and fatigue's yeah. building and all those things you know all those physiological things are happening in the body that are making screaming at you to tell you to stop yeah but your mind your mind is the one asset you have to tell you hey keep going right and uh i do remember like feeling like definitely some i think some of my best races and some of my best workouts it'd be like all of it and this might sound cliched now but like <laughs> oh this how many people get to feel this like this, uh, this, like this is a privilege. Like that's good. this is, this is kind of cool. Like how many people can push their bodies like this? Yeah. You know, and get to that place where you can hold 10, one Ks at race pace. Yeah. Like, Oh, this is hard. And this is really hurting. And it'd be really nice to just like stop and eat a burrito right now. Yeah. But, but 
like how many people get to this place yeah and it's like like look at what my body can do like right. that's that's really cool that is a much brighter outlook than my hopelessness <laughs> approach <laughs> windows into the mind i guess <laughs> no i love that though like i, I think that's a much more encouraging way of, of, of looking at it too um, yeah, yeah, that's really cool. I like that a lot. And so that was something that I used to. That was a way I used to try and uh, reframe it, if you like. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah some, so and I think everybody has um, at least one or two of those workouts that they either go to as a regular practice before a race in order to execute, depending on like depending on the severity and the <laughs> exhaustion <laughs> that comes with it. Right. Uh, I think everybody has some of those workouts. And we were talking previously about like uh, some of the top pros and their workouts they like to nail or execute in order to know that they're like ready yeah um yeah, absolutely and so some of that has mental some of that has mental benefit and some of that obviously has physiological benefit but yeah 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 um cool. yeah so um, that's that's kind of the, the no tech um and then low tech is kind of like not this like you know not pa- we're not necessarily talking about power meters or headbands that give you biofeedback we're talking about kind of like ways of you helping yourself. And mm-hmm. I mean, the biggest things I think of is like apps mm-hmm. um, or books. I mean, some people yep. like podcasts. Um, if you're listening to this, do you like podcasts? <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. What do you, what do you like for apps? Because I, I never used a lot of apps when I was training. It kind of dates me a little bit, but um, yeah. What about you? Yeah. So Back when Headspace was first coming out, and I actually lived in LA, and they're based out of Santa Monica, or they were in their early days, I don't know where they still are, but um, I was introduced to Headspace in the early, early days of Headspace, and that was probably like 2014, 15. Um, And they were just introducing some of their sports-guided courses. So I'm sure most people are familiar with Headspace, but it's a meditation app that's definitely pretty popular now and yeah, um they they have some sports specific courses that are really really good for um if you know if you're looking to kind of hone some if you're looking to learn the, the art of meditation as a, mm-hmm. obviously it's a great starting point but then if you're trying to get in more into the the making it more relevant to what you're doing as an athlete um they have uh app, they have like i think it's like 10 part courses for um competition for concentration for motivation um for communication so you like how how best to communicate with coach your coach and other athletes whatever um yeah motivation recovery so like recovery from racing recovery from an event um analysis so uh how best to like how best to attribute how you performed and you know because obviously how you attribute something has a big impact on how you kind of file it away and how it goes on to impact you in your next race or your right. next performance or whatever. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, so re- um, recovery, rehab, training. There's, I think there's probably at least six or so sport-specific um, courses on the Headspace app, which um, they're definitely well worth checking out. And I think also, like Corey and I earlier in the show, we're talking about meditation just generically as a, yeah. something to build into daily routine. He was talking about burnout and uh, building resilience and that kind of thing. And and obviously, given the given the backdrop of the last couple of years of um, just being a human in the world, yeah. um, uh, building resilience and coping with stress, fatigue, burnout, um, he was obviously advocating meditation and mindfulness as a, yeah. as a big part of building that into your daily routine. And uh, some of these Headspace courses are only kind of 10 or 12 minutes in duration. Mm-hmm. So they're ideal to do at the start of the day or the end of your day or wherever you or, you know, maybe in the middle of your day, like depending on what but you, you like to it, do. 
you make it like a practice, right? Like it's it's almost totally. like a, like a workout, like part of your routine. Um, yeah. Right. It's not yeah. like a one and done thing. It's it's a totally. It's something that you build. You do. You build into a daily routine. You do. You know, day after day after day, and uh, and your brain. And, and there's a lot of research. There's a wealth of research that will show you that your brain adapts, and yeah. you know, you you might you might see anxiety coming down and focus and concentration coming up and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, that, and that's a that's definitely an app that I've um, I've used a fair bit. Um, and I, yeah, I haven't, I haven't used recently. I haven't used uh, any of the sports specific ones, but I do like, uh, yeah, I do like the app generally. It's pretty good. Um, but then in terms of books, yeah, books. um, yeah, I'm a big reader. So, and I've got quite a, when, when we were talking, when we were prepping for this show, I went down into my, uh, my sports psych bookshelf. There you go. <laughs> I'm giving you a little bit of an insight into my nerdiness here, but, um, <laughs> Uh, Matt Fitzgerald, one of, uh, obviously a very well-known uh, yeah. endurance sports author, but he his one of his books on uh, what's his book? Brain Training for Runners is a good book. Um, mm, okay. Yeah, for anybody, and obviously that's good for triathletes, good for runners, but and good for athletes generally. Um, right. Another one of his books, How Bad Do You Want It, which is all about motivation and your whys and how tough, like mental toughness and resilience and yeah. building building those things. That's cool. they're, they're very, it sounds like there's very different, like not even just approaches, but different aspects. It's almost like, you know, training your swim and training your bike and training your run, you know, you're training your motivation, you're training your focus. They're, they're, it sounds like they're very different. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, another, another author and well, he's a psychiatrist, he's a clinical psychiatrist. Um, but Dr. Steve Peters is a, he was a clinical psychiatrist in practice and he's, I don't know what his, latest uh, status is but i know he was full-time resident psychiatrist mm. with um, british cycling and team sky mm. and he's um, do all right what's that they do all right <laughs> they do all right they know a thing don't they they know yeah. a thing or two um and he some of his books are worth checking out so his first book with um, the chimp paradox um came out around the time of the london olympics i think mm. um and he he was very much instrumental in like the success of some of those british cyclists that just dominated that that Olympics and subsequently. Yeah. Um, but that's all about how your brain, he likens your brain to a chimp. And we'll all rather we, <laughs> like we, we have a part of our brain that acts like a chimp and sure. we have a part of our brain that can control and tame the chimp. Huh. Um, and it's about managing like chimp. I think he calls it like chimp model management or something. Um, <laughs> chimp relationships. <laughs> yeah. And so it's about like, so for example, if you're driving, somebody cuts you off as you're driving and like mm. which part of your brain reacts does the chimp react or does the, do you manage your chimp and like not flip somebody <laughs> off and get into road rage? Rah, rah, rah. Um, so is there so a again, time when you let the chimp loose? No, no. no. Okay. So you never let the chimp loose. <laughs> it's, it's about, yeah, it's about, um, it's about managing the chimp. I gotcha. So, I gotcha. But yeah, so he's, he's got, and I, and I was just doing a little bit of research on him cause I haven't, uh, he's apparently got two, two other books out, my hidden chimp and a path through the jungle is his latest, uh, latest book that's come out. <laughs> so he's, he's deaf and he's kind of just quirky fun dude who definitely knows how to apply it to like applies that like psychiatrist approach to um the, the practical application of sport so it's very interesting oh, that's cool um another book that i really recommend is the golden rules and that's written by um bob bauman the coach of michael phelps mm -hmm. and it's his 10 golden rules for success in sports and life um and that comes and, and that touches that, that has a like a myriad of touch points but it comes from like 
a place of like setting goals to like motivation and bringing in a whole bringing in the right team of people around you so that's his like kind of 10 rules for success and it's very that's it's cool. very cool there's a lot there's a lot in there that triathletes would like i think yeah um yeah. very cool yeah so they're probably my they're probably my go-to favorite reads um that yeah that i've like i've got on my bookshelf and they're and they're uh they're ones that i recommend dog-eared um, maybe a little bit yes well, yeah look this is this is the chimp paradox. This has been on a beach or two. Yeah, yeah. It looks very well worn for people who can't see. <laughs> yes. For those with uh, audio only. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then what about the, the high tech? The high tech. So the high tech, the thing about the high tech stuff right now is it's still like very not experimental. Like it's not going to hurt you. But um, I think, it, you know, you're looking at things that are probably like still in kind of that... Um, you know, that startup phase or that um, GoFundMe phase or something like that. Um, so there's only a few consumer-based ones, um, and they're kind of broken up into a couple categories. Um, the the ones that I've seen, um, and I haven't used, but you see uh, these kind of like headset ones that measure blood flow um, mm -hmm. to your brain, like very, you know, minute amounts of blood flow. And you use this headset in conjunction with an app um, and the idea is you play these little training games um, mm. is kind of the way they put it. And, and the one I saw was called Mendy, M-E-N-D-I. And mm. it's, you know, 350 bucks. It's, you know, not insane off the charts. But um, for that one, you just kind of like, you just simply make this ball rise on your screen by using meditation techniques. And, huh. and I think it's one of those, you know, I was reading about it and it's like, well, it doesn't sound like they're explaining it very well. But I think, I think the way you make the ball rise is different for everyone. You know, you have to figure out how you're going to do that with your mind. Um, and then in turn, you know, you're, you're doing this work, you know, this work with your brain, just like work on a workout. Um, mm -hmm. And it's going to help you kind of build, um, you know, new networks and, and enhance the neurons in your brain and increase blood flow to different parts of your brain. So it's kind of cool that that way is it's kind of like this, like, you know, it's like, like seriously, like a workout, you know, like, like going to the weight room, but for your brain and you get to play nice. this little game. and um, and I, I think it was saying it was like five minutes a day. Um, you can see improvements, do it like three times a week. But just like you're saying with the, um, some of the other mental, like the meditation stuff, you know, it, it, you got to make it part of your routine. You know, it's yes. not just like a one and done and now I'm amazing and, and all yes. that stuff, you know. So unfortunately, there are no shortcuts to any of this stuff, you know, whether it's in sports or psychology. No. Um, but th that one, that Mendy one, is it, it's not very sports specific, but it's more about just general brain health. Um, and then you'll find these other devices that are, that are more common in terms of um, how widespread they are, but they're really expensive. Um, mm -hmm. And it's not likely something you're going to buy. Um, you probably find it at a um, you know, healthcare provider or a mental training clinic or a psychology clinic. Um, one is, is just an example. is called Neurooptimal. Hmm. Um, these things cost, you know, $7,000, $10,000. So you're probably not going to buy it for yourself. Yeah, like they're super expensive. And they're, you know, they don't sell many of them. It's that kind of like still kind of new tech thing. Um, but they use a, a different method. They use a combination of earbuds um, and, and little electrical sensors that you clip onto your ears. Um, and they work with just the electrical impulses in your brain. So I think it's a little more you know, a little more delicate technology. It's probably more precise, hence why it's more expensive. Um, but this one is more about um, increasing stability in your brain. So they say that they play music 
and um, and the music will stop when your brain starts to become unstable. And again, that sounds really like nebulous. Wow. Like, what what does stable brain or instable brain mean? And you have to kind of learn that. You know, it's like the language doesn't always, you know, like our English language doesn't really make sense because each person is going to find a way to be stable or unstable in different ways. Um, and by keeping the music going, you know, by doing whatever you need to do to keep that music going, you are um, you're reducing that lack of focus. So you're able to focus hmm. better, um, kind of quiet your mind a little bit. So it's just kind of a different approach. It's, the other yeah. one's a little more active. You know, you're moving a ball. Um, yeah. And this one is a little more like, you know, you're at a baseline of focus. And when you go off focus, you need to figure out how to do that. So hmm. kind of two ways to almost get to the same thing, uh, but different mm -hmm. approaches. And then the last one I kind of looked at, and Kelly Omara, our editor-in-chief, is currently testing this one out. Um, and I talked to her about it this morning, and she said, I, I don't have a review yet, so I don't want to endorse it. So Kelly does not endorse this thing yet, but uh, she's checking it out. It's called Focus Calm. Um, it's in that more consumer price range. It's 200 bucks plus a monthly membership. I think it starts at 10 bucks a month or whatever. Um, that uses brain training exercises like games, kind of like that Mendy that I was talking about, alongside like meditations um, and courses and things like that to kind of work on focus and calm. Cool. Um, so that one uses a cool kind of combination of electrical signals and then um, artificial intelligence, which we're seeing a lot more of in all of these yeah. apps and stuff yeah. um, to help you kind of give you feedback and, and train you. And they say that the more people who use this thing and the more often you use it, the more effective it becomes because they learn mm -hmm. more about it. You know, that's part of the reason they don't have a lot of devices for this stuff is because it's just like, you know, the human brain is still pretty, pretty wild west frontier stuff. So um, the hopes with that last one, that focus calm is that, um, like I said, more people use it, the more the AI will understand what's yes. going on in the brain and yeah. then their stuff will improve and it'll help you to stay more focused. So, um, you know, listeners keep an eye peeled or an ear peeled ear yep. and eye peeled for, um, yeah, a review. Yeah. Every, peel everything, peel yourself peel like an orange. <laughs> um, <laughs> because I think Kelly's going to be working on a review on that and, you know, probably the next few weeks. So oh, cool. it'll okay, be interesting yeah. to see. Yeah. We'll see if it that calms, actually, um, we'll see if it calms Kelly. <laughs> if it calms Kelly, then, um, sold. <laughs> yeah and that actually has me thinking about there's another thing uh, maybe this probably fits more into the lower tech side of things but yeah. um bilateral stimulation and guided imagery or uh, maybe kind of that kind of fits into the meditation mindfulness scene um but uh yeah just if search for uh, bilateral stimulation on youtube if you're looking for like that's something that's really really good it's um designed to it's music basically you listen to and it kind of pings from one side the one, one ear to another and it's designed to bring the uh, sympathetic nervous system offline and boost the parasympathetic nervous system i.e so like after after like a hard workout when obviously like your stress response is up and you're trying to like come back down into a rest and relax state huh. and kind of come out of that fight or flight state uh, it's supposed to help bring that all online and mm -hmm. i've learned about this since i've been doing this train like a norwegian protocol that um <laughs> Listeners, you will find out about in in a few short weeks. But I so as a result of, of doing this, I've basically been so yeah. I'll give you the, the TLDR on that. I've been doing two uh, two double two workouts a week. Sorry, two double run workouts a week, 
and the second of which uh, is obviously at the end comes at the end of my work day, right? Mm-hmm. Which is often often around six p.m. or whatever. So <laughs> I go to the track and I, or I go to the treadmill. I'm doing like four hundred repeats or one k repeats, and then I found that coming down off of that, or by the time you've eaten dinner and done all the things, like yeah. coming down and going to bed is actually really hard because I'm still kind of yeah. So I've been trying to find ways to bring that parasympathetic nervous system back online. And bilateral stimulation is quite an interesting way. So if you're somebody that struggles to wind down at the end of the day, or if uh-huh. you do, do like um, harder workouts at the end of the day and you still find yourself quite like activated and wide awake at midnight or whatever, then um, yeah, have a have a little Google search or YouTube search for bilateral uh, stimulation. And oh, that's, that's fascinating. But that's just as what you were saying about the brain and like getting the... We, we're, we're still learning, I think, a lot about yeah. what happens inside the brain and... I'm sure there's a ton of psychiatrists that would listen to this and be like, no, we're not. We <laughs> We've got but, it figured out. <laughs> listen to these two idiots. Well, <laughs> we don't have it figured out, clearly. Yeah, and I think maybe that's a good, uh, that we're probably a good t- like temperature check or litmus test on yeah. like where endurance sports are in terms of the brain, you know, like, um, yeah. so I think some of the top, top pros have this stuff nailed, Yeah. but, uh, or they, or they have it innately. Right. And that's right. part of one of the reasons why they are world champions right. or whatever. But, right. um, other people like the mere mortals amongst us yeah. you know, and people who are working nine to five and trying to fit in 10 hours plus of training, right. Yeah, balancing it all and making sure you still get rest and recovery and good sleep is, um, something that I think yeah. will increasingly well, turn to apps and outside devices. assistance. Yeah. yeah. Tips, yeah. tricks. Yeah. We need it. Yeah. Cause we don't have yeah. time. I mean, some of the pros, you know, they finish their workout and they just get to, to think about it all day. <laughs> Most of us don't, aren't able to sit back and think about it all day. We got to, you get to analyze, you get to analyze your files all day. Yeah. Fun. So, so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> Those um, are great. But, yeah, yeah. Any other devices, uh, gadgets, wizardry, sorcery that you want to talk about today, Chris? No, I think that's about it. Like I said, um, this one had me in a little bit of a mental instability because I, <laughs> I normally have just tons of things to talk about and lots of gear. But for this one, yeah, I think kind of like we were both touching on, it's it's still kind of um, a work in progress. Just yeah, like it's probably it. That's interesting, isn't it? It's like uh, of all the of all the gear and gadgets. Obviously, our sport is so packed, laid, oh, yeah. so laden with gear and gadgets yeah. and carbon fiber this and carbon fiber that. But when it comes to the inner workings of the brain, we're still so just kind of guessing a little bit. Start of the path, right? Yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you, Gear Gear Guru. It's yeah. been a pleasure as always. Anytime, UK. Thank you. Cheers. Yep. Okay, so hopefully you're now a little more in the know when it comes to preparing mentally for your training and racing. Thank you for joining us on this month's Fitter and Faster. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Fitter and Faster by Triathlete wherever you listen to your pods. And if you've enjoyed the show, please feel free to rate and review us. It helps us out and it helps others like you to find us. We'll be back next month, but until then, happy training. Happy training.